Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Started Up Podcast. I'm excited today about this one because not only is Alex Benayan a return guest, but I got probably more feedback on this podcast than any other. Uh, the first one went really well. Matter of fact, he not only gave away some books, but he also put out an offer and he doubled down on it again for this episode. So number one, um, if you're a teacher, seriously listen to this one. He makes an offer in this podcast that you got to take him up on. Secondly, I was just flattered when he contacted me about a month ago and he says, hey, I really need to do your show again. I got a ton of feedback and requests from your podcast. So let's do round number two. And so I was like, wow, that's awesome. I always like it when I can provide as much value as I can for my guest. But in talking to him uh, in a really real way, he got to connect with a lot of classrooms across the United States. So flattered to have him on again. So uh, for those reasons, if you're a parent, I'd strongly encourage this book. This is honestly one of my favorite books. It, it reads like a journey, like an adventure novel. Um but it's practical. And if you're a teacher, I'm telling you, take the guy up on his offer. So I won't spoil it. We should get right down to it. Again, the name is Alex Benayan. The book is The Third Door. It's amazing. So let's get right into it. All right. I am now back with a return guest, Alex Benayan. Alex, A, thanks for being on. <laughs> Thank you for having me, man. And B, this has only been like a couple of times. So it was amazing because I was really, really appreciative that you fact that you reached out to me and you're like, hey, man, I got a lot of podcast uh, response. And I was like, well, that's good because like you never know. Like I, I got a ton of emails and a lot of feedback on, okay, that guy was cool. So to know that you got the same was really good. Yeah, it was amazing. I am very, very grateful. Yeah. So, and, and even before the show, I was talking like you, the way you wrote this, it just seems like there's a lot of similarities between, you know, the way I try to approach things. And you wrote this book kind of like, <laughs> I hope this doesn't sound awful. Like it's almost like, to me, it reads like an adventure novel. Like that's, that was the point. That was the intention. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's fun. It's a fun read. So for those of you that haven't heard episode one with Alex, actually it's not episode one, but my first episode with him, I'm going to give you a little bit of recap and then you can fill in some gaps, Alex. But okay. essentially Alex set on this awesome quest to meet some of the people that he's always wanted to meet and, and just die to have a conversation with. I'm not going to spoil the episode because just him getting there by winning the price of right is right is worth it. Like, Seriously, if you're listening to this and going, I don't know what you're talking about, I'll have a link in the description. Go back and listen to that episode. The Price is Right description is, the, is just the best. But as we had both talked earlier, we had spent a lot of time on the pre-story and we were just getting warmed up. And then, you know, we try to keep these episodes between 30 and 40 minutes and we we're both kind of like, oh, we could have gone more. Thus, part two. Was that a good recap? I think that is a perfect recap. Okay. So let's dig in. Uh, the one thing I was talking to you earlier about, like this reads like an adventure novel, but that journey of a million miles starts with the first step. 
I, I really wanted you to impress upon people like that this was authentic. You set out to do this, but a lot of people, you know, tune in to hustle and grind EDU and stuff. And like, it, it's for somebody else. And it seems like it's impossible. I really want to start into like, like, let's start off with how to find a mentor and be realistic about it. For, you know, I know a lot of people probably heard that in our first episode together. For those who haven't, to give, you know, some context, I started this journey when I was 18, right? I was a freshman in college and, you know, I was going through this life crisis of what I want to do with my life because I thought, you know, I was going to be like every good, you know, son of Jewish immigrants. I was going to be a doctor. But when I finally started, you know, questioning what I wanted to do with my life, I sort of spiraled into, you know, this crisis. And my very naive thought was, well, why don't I go, you know, ask Bill Gates how he, you know, how he started his career and, you know, Steve Wozniak and Lady Gaga and Larry King. And what I ended up finding out very quickly is Bill Gates doesn't do interviews with random 18 year olds. And, you know, I was just, I thought very naively, this would be a very simple ask. You know, I just had a very, you know, innocent predisposition that I just thought, you know, I'm doing this to help me and my generation. I thought all these people would say, yes, you know, I'm faced with all these challenges. And naturally I wasn't thinking I need a mentor. What I was thinking is I need help. Mm. That, that's as far as my mind could get to that. I just knew I desperately needed help. So I just started looking for people who could help. And and, uh, can I ask you a question though? Was that like please. in an attempt to find a quick answer? Oh, of course. Okay. Yeah, I, okay. If, if you would have, you know, <laughs> young, this is a big thing that I've realized over the years is that one of the biggest differences between my generation, you know, people who are under 30 years old versus people who are, let's say, over 60 or 70. I would say by far one of the biggest differences generationally that is not talked about that I've had to learn the hard way through personal experiences and also just through my research is my generation has a very distorted understanding of time of time. And what I mean by that is, you know, let's say you're talking to my grandfather's generation and if my grandfather wanted to learn, you know, where, you know, so, you know, where did Galileo grow up? He would have to, you know, get out of his house, you know, put on his clothes, get out of his house, walk, you know, to the local library. If there's, he's lucky enough to have a local library, go to the card catalog, find, you know, the, you know, the Dewey Decimal System, you know, find the encyclopedia, walk to the stacks, open up the stacks. Oh, he found the wrong one. Go back to the card catalog. You know, that's what it took to find out a simple piece of information. and. You know, my generation grew up, I grew up, I was born in 1992. So I grew up with AOL. You know, I grew up with broadband. Um, you know, fortunate enough, I know not everyone in the world has access to it, but you know, I was lucky enough to have access to the internet. And, you know, if you go as far even to when I was in college, my freshman year of college, it was the first time a app ever sold for a billion dollars. I was a freshman in college when Instagram was bought by Facebook for $1 billion. And you know, it wasn't an old company. It wasn't a well-known, relatively well-known company. 
And my generation has this implicit messaging from all around us that things can happen in a snap of a finger. And what happened with me was I went out to go, you know, work on the third door. And I genuinely believe this would be a three month summer project. Yeah. Mm. I genuinely, I'm not, you know, not, I generally thought, look, I have pure intentions. I'm just going to email, you know, info at billgates.com, <laughs> you know, share what I want to do. I'll jump on a plane, go do this interviews. Uh, it'll all come together. And it turned out to be a seven year journey. It, there's several things that are buzzing through my head right now. One, yeah. I think that one thing that was working for you, and I had actually a, a similar kind of thing. I think I shared it with you earlier. Like I, after watching Dan Pink's Ted talk, which is how I started then my class, which is how I started in my nonprofit. I naively thought I should give him a call, except I was like 33. And I thought this, but I didn't know that Dan was a big deal. And the Ted talk actually was kind of new. And I didn't know that he had written a couple of books, but sometimes that naivete is exactly what you need because it's just the ask. Now, when it's Lady Gaga and Bill Gates, that naivete quickly becomes acknowledged. Like you just can't ask Bill. But I like the fact that you were st you started out of curiosity, like, huh, why not me? Now, the point on the instant gratification, that's what keeps me up at night <laughs> because you're exactly right. Like, don't get me wrong. I like the successful people and they're flexing on Instagram and I'm, you know, oh, you notice that Lamborghini in the background. Well, I made that this week. It makes a lot of people falsely think that they too can make millions of dollars this week. And that is a real problem. Yeah, but you know, the great thing about the way the world works is life teaches you the lessons you need to learn. Yeah. Now, it doesn't teach it to you in a pleasurable way most of the times. <laughs> right. Or you know, over the normally, weekend. Right. You know, you're normally in you know, extreme pain, you know, banging your head against the wall, wondering why things aren't working. But you know, the greatest thing that you know, the third door has been out for just about a year now. And one of my favorite things is and you know, it makes me very emotional. You know, the book is, it's a nonfiction book. So, you know, the average audience originally on book launches, you know, people in the thirties and forties and fifties. Um, but the biggest compliment is when people pass it down to their children and their kids love the book even more than the parent did. And one of the best things, you know, I love, if I'm at a book signing and, you know, I was in, I was in Spain last month for the, the Spanish book launch and a man, I think, you know, maybe this fifties, he's an entrepreneur, brought his 15 year old daughter and they had both read the book. And I love asking a 15 year old what they took away from it because I don't know what they're going to say. And my favorite response is when they say, accomplishing a dream takes more time than you think, but if you keep at it, it's possible. Mm. and yet what's what i love about that is i never use that i never use those words in the book yeah but the message is clear so it's extremely extremely fulfilling mm. so yeah let, let's let's go down that road a little bit more um we you know we we had just started to name drop a little bit and the list is really impressive 
But obviously the title of the third door and, and just the fact that you didn't give up on door number one and door number two and trying to find another way in uh, is, is a huge part of it. But talk, talk to the, and, and I, I got to be careful when I say this, like, because there's, there's still a lot of people out there. And when I'm saying people, I'm, I'm really focusing on students right now that they are so disheartened on that first email that Lady Gaga didn't get it or she hasn't responded. Um, Talk to talk to that student right now that kind of half-heartedly sent out an email and that's been it. What's next? I, I'm very passionate about this. If you are doing something that you actually care about enough, the pain or the sting of the rejection. You know, look, I can talk about, you know, you know, fixed mindset, growth mindset, you know, we that's you know very well known, especially in the education space. Yep. That's not, that's, it's important, but it's not the end all be all. What I've realized is it doesn't matter if you're talking to a high school student, a middle school student, or you're talking to a school administrator. If they're working on something that they care enough about, that they're genuinely excited about, no matter how hard the sting of the rejection is or how hard uh, you know, the pain of, you know, them making a mistake is that pain is temporary. It will, you know, three days later, they won't be feeling it anymore and they'll keep at it because they care so much about it. And I think the big emphasis is, you know, there's a very famous anecdote, you know, Don, if I told you, you know, there is a burning building across the street and there's a $5 bill on the third floor, you know, it's yours if you want it, you know, you wouldn't, you, you know, would you go? Of course not, right? If I told you, you know, God forbid, but, you know, if one of your children is on the third floor, I wouldn't even finish my sentence by right. the time you were turning it. <laughs> you wouldn't even ask where. Yep. You would go. And I think that anecdote really goes to the heart of the matter of, you know, whether it's education, whether it's achieving a dream, starting a business, writing a book. And that's the real challenge of an educator or a mentor or a leader or a boss is inspiring your employees or students to have something they care so much about on that third story of that building that they're not even asking what the challenges are. They're just yeah. running in. Yeah. Their passion's taking forward. Yeah. I mean, they're relentless in that. You know, I, I, it, one of the things that um, struck me is that um, a lot of times I'd tell my students, because I, I think I told you this in the first episode, I, a lot of times in class, I'd say, okay, you know, who, who would you just love to talk to, you know, in a, in a very similar way that, you know, you'd approach the book, like who is, who would be on your dream list? And so I told them like, look, first of all, you have to give them a compelling reason. And one of the metaphors I'd love to give them is, and it's ironic that we're talking about a book. I was like, it, like, if your life was a book, would anybody read it? I said, the quickest way for people to want to talk to you is you're doing something interesting. Yeah. You're on some sort of mission. And that's and larger than yourself. Drawn to you. Right. That's larger than yourself. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Thank you for clarifying that. Absolutely. You're right. Because if your mission is make me famous, uh, then you're right. Not, not, not much of a, People can't get behind that, but I, I, I so resonate with that. You know, would, would you run up to, you know, a, a building that's on fire? 
for what you really, really believe in. Yes. Well, then that relentless pursuit is going to get you there. And even right, though and you're still going to get burned, you're still going to, you know, trip, yes. get cuts and scrapes. But that's part of the journey. Yes. And and doesn't <laughs> to extend the metaphor, don't those scrapes and burns feel good, though, once you've got it? Uh, not at the time. <laughs> <laughs> no, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. not at the time. Um, but what's funny is like, as you get a bit older, you know, I'm not old, but you know, <laughs> I was going to say, man, I, come on. I, I'm not, I'm older than I was when I started. Yeah. You start to learn that one, that sting, that pain is impermanent. Right. And two, that if you're smart enough and you actually cherish those mistakes, you can learn from them. And from there you can grow. I think that's one of the things that I just love that the, the first podcast resonated with, like I heard back from a lot of people in their middle-aged and students and, and, and both sides were like, you know what? I can do this because like, obviously I'm just screaming this from the mountaintops for any student to listen to, like be on a journey now and pe- middle, like people my age just want to help. Cause we were like, man, I was you when I was a kid. I just didn't have a guts to do it. So go do now. But I just love seeing the comments and seeing the interaction on Twitter with a lot of people that were, I'm thinking about changing my career. I'm thinking about starting a new. And then like, I really saw a lot of that kind of action and that really. The third door is not about an age in life. It's about a stage. When you're starting something new, when you're starting a new chapter, how do you find a way to, you know, get it off the ground? Because we all face rejection. We all face failures. How do you find a way to make it happen? And that's why I just love the fact that it felt like a very journey. You know, it it, it had uh, that hero's journey element to it. There was some rebirth and there was some, you know, hour of darkness. And and I just like the fact that the cycle kind of continued and you found your way into learning from these sages. And and it wasn't hokey, like, and I'm not just pandering to you because, like, I, I, like, people are tired of those. And you can too, books. You know, I made ten million dollars this month, and you could oh, stop. Uh, this was practical, and and this was. <laughs> I but I gotta be honest, the icing on the cake, like, just learning how to win on the prices right is <laughs> maybe the most compelling thing ever. Uh, I I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, but so what an adventure. So now you're you're kind of. And, and like, even you made the offer, like, Hey, if you're a teacher listening to this, you know, I'll talk to your class. I I I love that people have reached out. It's yeah. uh, Look, I'll do it again for this one. If anyone's listening for the first time. Yeah. I heard some feedback and you do like you call into, you know, classrooms. And, and I think that, um, while you, we even talked about this in the first episode, like you didn't write this book for students or you wrote it for all ages, but I'm telling you, if you're a parent, this is one of those books I'd get for your kids, um, especially if they're in middle school, high school, um, because it isn't just mindset stuff. It's practical of how you set out on a journey. Um, but yeah, you, your willingness to, to work with classrooms was, uh, I got that feedback too. So I appreciate that a ton. Thank you so much. And I think it's just a testament to also the community that you've built of administrators, parents, students, people who just care about learning. Yeah, that's my favorite part. Um, so in that writing process, I'm sorry, former English teacher coming out, what was the one chapter you're like, you were looking forward to writing? 
It was like a burning, like and maybe and maybe I thought you were asked opposite question of which one was was the nightmare. Oh this no, no, no. I because like I want to know that chapter. Like, okay, I got this one in my right pocket. And or did you write that one early? Quincy Jones, Quincy Jones. Really? It's just he wrote it for me, you know. Mm. It was sitting down with Quincy Jones is a story. It doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter if you're an 18-year-old unknown kid or if you're the president of the United States you sit down to Quincy Jones for two hours and you have a crazy chapter um, full of wisdom and you know drama and laughter it that was that one and the one with Quincy Jones and Jessica Alba were the two chapters that wrote themselves hmm and I wasn't sort of running in circles trying to figure out what the storyline was. Angle was, yeah. Yeah. Wow. And and then on all these, obviously, you you went out to them. What also made it easier? Like, give us some insight. What made it easier for some people to say yes? This is the biggest one that I could not have understood this when I was starting out. The place in life they are in the priorities they have. As in you're giving and them, you're giving them a reason that they're, it's time for them to get no. back. No, there's some people, look, all of the people who I interviewed, it doesn't matter if they, uh, you know, have been in the public spotlight for decades, like Larry King, or they're still, you know, very young, like Lady Gaga. At this level in their life, you know, at this caliber of achievement, they have priorities, right? And sometimes, and this is the thing, you have no idea what their priorities are. You can maybe guess and be lucky if you guess correctly one out of 10 times. You don't know, you know, I don't know what Bill, I don't know what Bill Gates' priorities are. I don't know what Jeff Bezos' priorities are for the year. And these people are fairly focused. So the real reason I think a lot of them said yes is A, it just matched up with their priorities for the year. And B, I was able to get to them through someone they trusted immensely. Yes. Yeah. And that pre-work obviously paid off. Of course, yeah. I, yeah, it's always, because I was an 18-year-old random person. You know, if I was a writer for the New York Times, my cold outreach might have actually worked. But very rarely did my, you know, cold outreach work to get interviews. I had to actually cold outreach to someone who was best friends or business partners with the person and have them do the outreach. Mm, yeah, if, that's an important If they point. resonated with the mission, you know? Absolutely. No, I, I, similar story. I, I, a couple of my students were like, I remember one was like, I want to talk to Peyton Manning. I'm like, well, then try to find Peyton Manning's neck surgeon. <laughs> and he did. <laughs> yeah. and, and so, you know, he didn't get to talk to Peyton Manning, but he talked to the neck surgeon and he was a really cool guy. And, and he had some conversations. Or I had another student that like found one of Tesla's lead engineers. I mean, obviously he was trying to go for Elon. Didn't work. But he got some cool swag. Um, I, I would, I would like, I was 
there's no happy ending to those. Like neither of them got yeah. to the person, but they were doing that. They were trying to find in, well, the third door. Um, and even even though they struck out with the person they intended to talk to, they still end up with a lot of insight from people that were successful working with those people. So yeah. like- I love that. Lose. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I love- a, this is why I love interviewing you, but this is one of the, my favorite things to do to kids is like challenge them. I'm like, why not you? And why not now? And heck, I, I, I told them half time, like, they'll just be intrigued that you're in a class that's this odd. You know, I told yeah, them like, exactly. you're like, hey, so I, I've got this class where I can literally do what I want. And I figured I want to interview somebody that's completely awesome and you're it. And, and the people are like, Seriously, that's a class? Yeah, it's called Innovation and Open Source Learning. And the open source is you. I'm going to learn from you. That was such a door opener that people were like, huh, where was that class when I was 16? Yeah, I love that. And, and, and I was begging more. And, and, you know, and so, like, for those of you who aren't listening, for those of you who are listening right now, you don't have the class. You don't have to technically have the class. Just when you're 16 and you're on a mission, I think a lot of adults are intrigued if you have enthusiasm. <laughs> drive yeah. and by far the thing that i am the happiest from from our first podcast episode we did is a superintendent read the book because of your recommendation which i'm very grateful for and that superintendent created a innovation in the third door elective for his high school <laughs> that is that is the ultimate you know Okay, off air, I'm going to have to ask you about that. That is cool. I've, I stalked a lot of the conversations after the podcast. And, and that one, I think I, ha- I bet you I know who it is. Anyway, yeah. that warms my heart. That is cool. Out of curiosity, have you Skyped or Zoomed them yet? We're going to do something very cool. <sighs> it's going to be very, very fun. I'm sensing something awesome. Oh, okay. I'm not going <laughs> to egg on it. That's so cool. Good for them. That's- well, I'm grateful for you. Thank you. Oh, so... The other the other part of this is, yeah, you said, I thought you were going to ask the other question. Um, I'm going to lead into this by saying I, I have a, an acquaintance uh, friend of mine who also has a podcast and he he interviewed somebody that he had been looking forward to for a long time. And um, it's kind of like, well, unfortunately, he's passed. Like I always thought, you know, if I ever interviewed Prince, I'd probably regret it because sometimes the people you look up to, you may not want to meet. Um and I'm sure you probably didn't mention this in the book, but, and please don't name names, but was there somebody that you interviewed? You're like, oof, that was not what I expected. Yeah. 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 And I, I definitely won't name names cause I'm uh, very well, appreciative that they gave the time. Yeah, absolutely. Well, cause like, but can I tell you something? It wasn't, it was never like, wow, they're a bad person. It was not that. Okay. Okay. It was never that because those are the people who actually said yes to do interviews and then the day before canceled and <laughs> ghosted. Uh, there are oh, some of those. No. Yes, I know that. Yeah. Look, I also, they're very busy. So I'm grateful, you know, they right. even said yes in the first place. Also, at the same time, too, it, I'm curious if I were to go back with, with the interviewing skills that I have now, you know, now that the journey's done, if things would have hmm. played out different. Hmm. Okay, just out of curiosity, which by the way, full disclosure, the person that interviewed the person that didn't work out, I thought this was a gutsy call. He basically blogged about it and like, look, I thought like, yeah, called him out for not, because he was rude and condescending on the interview. 
And so he's like, this is one of one of my idols. So I thought that was an interesting choice to oh. do that. Yeah, it was, but it was gutsy. Um, but I, I'm, yeah. So you have had that happen and obviously you didn't badmouth him. So I respect that. Um, but I, I, I wanted to pause and say the interviewer I am now regrets of like, what, what did you, in your opinion, do wrong or what didn't you follow through on enough? Um, I wouldn't say it was wrong as much as I just didn't know better. And also I went into the, oh, wow. I, you know, impossible to have known it in the moment. I don't have enough awareness, but in hindsight, I can see that I walked in and this is true about any job, whether you're interviewing, whether you're teaching, whether you're, you know, a politician, if you walk in, you know, whether you're the interviewer in the interviewer seat or you're a teacher sitting in the front of the classroom and you are terrified, the people in the room can smell it. And if you're uncomfortable, they're uncomfortable. And the inverse is if you're comfortable in your seat, the person sitting across from you is comfortable in their seat. Mm. And I walked into that interview with Bill Gates with two years of pent up uh, <laughs> emotion and anticipation. Yeah. And, you know, Bill is a you know, consummate professional. He's done, you know, thousands of interviews over his life. So it was great. It wasn't bad. But it wasn't until the end of the interview that I finally began to relax because it was the final question. And he completely relaxed in the interview, you know, shot up with emotion and energy. And it made me realize this is how I should have started in the first place. Mm. That's, I couldn't imagine. How old were you when you interviewed him? I was 20 years old, so I cut myself some slack, you know. Uh, but it, it was still a great interview with a lot of lessons. Yeah. And it was also a great learning experience. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. What, which, I, and forgive me for not knowing this off the top of my head, who, your big break, the first one that really got you set into motion was whom? Was that? The, the first person I spoke to was Steven Spielberg. You know, I went into that party and, right. you know, pitched him the book. The first sit-down interview, I believe, was Tim Ferriss. Okay. That's Tim cool. Ferriss, Sugar Ray Leonard, Chi Lu, it was all around the same time. Yeah. I always remember the book that even kind of Sugar Ray had some prophetic words. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, and you looking back, I'm like, I'm glad he told me that because, yeah, I was going to get punched around a little bit. So... I love that. Oh yeah. Well, I, Alex, I, I I'm gonna pump you up here for a second, guys. If you're listening to this, uh, the feedback and the responses he gave uh, were genuine. When people asked him a question, he got on it. Um, you were nice enough to to make some offers last time, and he's doubling down again. Uh, you you want him to Zoom call? Uh, if you're listening to this, if you're a teacher, he's dead serious. Um, I'm in. I'm 100% yeah. in. I, and and, and I, I, I get on a lot of nice guests, but there's only about 10% that are really like, okay, let's do this. We're swirl up our sleeves. Alex is obviously uh, one of those in a, in a major way. So 
I appreciate the fact that you are giving back. I appreciate the fact that while you got to interview the elite, you exactly remember what it was like for people reaching out and uh, to you now. So I, I sincerely appreciate that. Um, although I do have to ask though, what's, what's next? Right now, my big focus for the year are the international book launches. Mm-hmm. So I just came back from a pretty wild month. We did a book launch in Spain, Italy, Bulgaria, China, and Korea. Oh, that's going to be and so much fun. So much. And in three days, I head off to Japan for the Japanese book launch, which is a 10 day book tour. So that to me is. Yeah. the most exciting thing because oh, is what at, at minimum what a great excuse to travel well you know what i need to see italy ah let's right exactly <laughs> exactly and to me when i had started this journey you know in my dorm room sure i had you know really you know big dreams of how it would unfold but there was no way i could have imagined you know i got a photo right after the Jap- uh, right after the chinese book launch um um, a father sent me a photo on, you know, on social media of his eight-year-old son reading the third door in Chinese in a village, you know, two hours outside of Beijing. And the father said that his son read a hundred pages in one night. Oh, wow. And here's a kid who I can't speak his language. You know, this eight-year-old who I can't speak his language, who's, reading these lessons and, you know, these stories in a, you know, again, in a language I can't speak yet. The journey I went through and the mission I was on, I was being able to touch. It's, it's one of these things that's hard to wrap your mind around. (laughs) And it just makes me really excited. You know, other people ask me like, Oh, do you want to do this? Do you want to do consulting? Do you want to, I'm like, are you kidding? This is the coolest thing already. I just want to keep it going. Yeah. And, you know, have the mission keep growing because at the end of the day, I never got into this to be an author. I had a very simple idea that if all these leaders came together, not for press, not to promote anything, but really just to share their best wisdom with the next generation, young people can do so much more. Mm. And what I've learned is that while there's a lot of different tools and tactics in this book, you know, there's Bill Gates' Negotiating Secrets and Tim Ferriss' Cold Email Templates. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, I've learned that, you know, you can give someone all the best tools and tactics in the world and their life can still feel stuck. But if you change what someone believes is possible, they'll never be the same. And that's Mm. the soul of this mission. Mm. If I asked a follow-up question, it'd only ruin it. I am going to end it there. Alex, <laughs> I sincerely, that was a perfect ending. I appreciate you. I appreciate what you're doing. And uh, I'm so glad we got to do episode two, man. Thank you so, so, so much.